I watched this whole match standing up. I moved the coffee table and I paced around. Seattle can go kick rocks. Like, just kick all the hardest, largest rocks. That was actually like a fan experience I saw online. It was like when, you know, enter to win a you can beat Thomas Chacon for one game. And we are underway here at the Dummy Run podcast. Grant, I just it's been it's been forty eight hours more. I just it's over. The season's over. I don't have it in me. You know, Alex, I'm not I'm not doing fantastic. I gotta say, it was a hard game to watch. It was a hard. It was after the match. I tweeted out um, a gif from our account of a standing ovation, and I feel like that might have been taken as a joke, but that's truly how I felt. I felt like how you would applaud someone who was taking on um, a, a close to impossible task, and they did better than anyone was expecting. At the end of it, you know, you're left with just an applaud. And um, you know, an ex- a love for the team and an excitement for next year. Um, it hit hard. It definitely hit hard. It hit harder than it. You know, if we had just lost three uh, nil, part of me wishes we would have just had that and you know, been over it by the time the the final whistle blew. It hit hard, man. Um, I think it hurt especially because, you know, there's hope is the ultimate killer. You know what I mean? Like before the game, you and I are like, I feel good about this. Like we might actually be able to do this. You know, nervously texting back and forth. Uh, if you can picture me laying on my stomach with my ankles crossed, you know, that was me just real, real giddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go up 2 0. And then you have this sinking feeling like, can we do it? Will we be able to do it? And then it slips away slowly and slowly. And so, you know, you put that um, applause emoji, and I think it, it should be recognized. Who we who we played that night? I mean, it is not like we got upset, and I I don't want to get into the whole underdog thing. But truthfully, I was watching it with a friend who doesn't really watch soccer. He's a big football fan, so apology for the American football analogy. But I told him, and correct me if, if you don't agree, Alex. But I said this is the equivalent of playing like the prime New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. This is the MLS powerhouse that just wins and wins, and everyone hates them. And they hate mm-hmm. their fans and they hate their logos and all that good stuff. Because I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this is a really good team. And to lose to the Sounders, I mean, it's definitely not an embarrassment. It mm-hmm. sucks It sucks when they come back, but it's not embarrassing. I think we all would have accepted a 3-2 to two loss. If we knew we got to score two goals on Seattle and one of them was a Reynoso free kick, mm-hmm. I think we take yeah. it. Yeah, and we – so – We've talked about this, and I think that instead of today doing our typical kind of chronological going minute by minute, I think we're going to spend more time just talking about the events of the game and kind of, you know, how they unfolded, uh, how we were feeling throughout it, how we feel about the end of it, um, you know, talking about some of the different commentary that's going on around it, uh, maybe a little bit of, you know, what we're looking for going forward, uh, just because I don't think any of us need to relive that minute by minute right now. Uh, But before we do that, we have a timely gift that we should probably discuss. Yeah, so uh, Alex, a few weeks back, a good friend of mine and listener of the podcast, lawyer listener, um, Allah, dropped off some screwball whiskey. Uh, he heard that I had never tried it, um, asked if you'd ever tried it. You said no. 
and he wanted to give us our first ever Dummy Run podcast listener gift. Um, this is something we are also hoping to make a trend. So uh, whoever wants to volunteer next, feel free. Alex and I like an arrangement of sweets. I like mm-hmm. pretzels a lot. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, Whiskey's, so whatever you guys, beers. whatever's on your mind, whatever makes you think of Dummy Run podcast. I think it's fitting that uh, we open up Allah's gift as a symbolic toast to the last game of the season. It's been a heck of a ride. We're, we're opening it live on air. So these are live on air uh, pourings and tastings right now. Do a little like doo Yeah, we can. Or no, actually, no, I like the crack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we've poured our uh, screwball. How fitting of a name is screwball because this has been a screwball season, am I right? What a weird, weird season. I was going to say, I would not use the word screwball to describe, to describe this season, but yes, I get the intent of, of that, and it does feel fitting. Uh, I think mostly it just feels fitting that it's whiskey. Yeah, I like that. Because we all need that. a little bit of that right now. Well, first, a little toast. Thank you to Ala. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to the team. They, they put everything out there, and uh, I appreciate them, and we appreciate you guys, so cheers to that. Oh, you can taste the peanut butter. Yeah, for, for those of you not familiar, it's a peanut butter whiskey, uh, which I have no idea what that means, but you can definitely taste the peanut butter. It's good. It's I good. did not, I'll be honest, I did not think I would like it. I told, <laughs> I told my buddy that he knows, but he knows me very well, so I, I do like it. It's good. It's good. It's good. And with that, I feel like I'm prepared to jump back into it. Do you feel and, refreshed? Yeah, I want to pick yeah. up where you left off. Because... I feel like when you're talking about the end of this match and the match as a whole, it's difficult and I want to choose my words carefully because on the one side, I don't ever want to, you know, like like Ethan Finley said, you're not like this, though we're happy to be here. Um, you know, it's great we scored two goals and like, you know, we'll hang our hat on that. Um, you know, we're, we're a good team and we should be considered amongst the best team or, you know, in the conversation with the best teams and we had just as much opportunity to win that match as anyone else did. But at the same time, it just never felt like this was supposed to be the year we were supposed to be here. They mentioned it on air that we got over a year early, it felt like, and I felt that way a lot. So at the end of the day, I'm also not like, you know, I I don't have this feeling like you, you know, fumbled it at the last moment or like you gave up this huge thing that was yours. Um, So I'm I'm really in the middle on those two things. I don't really know how to put that into words elegantly because it's such a specific place I'm in. I think... The phrase that keeps popping up into my head is that we both overachieved and it feels like we underachieved. And I think Mm. there are moments in this season where you can look at games and go, we should have won that game. Um, You know, there's various scenarios where you would have wished we would have done better. On the other hand, this is a team that lost their starting goalkeeper, lost their defender of the year, lost their starting striker. I mean, we really rebounded very well. And to make it to the Western Conference Finals, which is really just the MLS Cup semifinals, but, you know, not to be pedantic or anything. It's weird <laughs> that they call it that. Do you like that? I think it, it kind of bothers me. I guess I'd never thought about it. Well, we can add it to the things Grant's surprisingly <laughs> passionate about. There you go. Uh, I don't like rewarding half-finished efforts. And so it's cool to say, oh, we are the Western Conference champions. But, I mean, we didn't win the supporter shield we didn't finish top of i don't know i just 
You win MLS Cup or you don't. I don't think we need to have a Western Conference champion and Eastern mm. Conference champion. Okay. That's just my opinion. That was actually okay. much less passionate than I thought it would be. But I, uh, I guess I've never thought about it that way. I, I, I think that, yeah, you win an award for being the best out of your division. I think that makes sense. All right. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. Well, I wish we would have won it. I wish we would have won it. Wish That's what I wish. It. And, yeah, it, it, felt, it felt like we were overachieving a bit to be there given the year that we had. But at the same time, when you look at the way that we were playing, it felt very much like that one was ours to win. Um, and right away, I mean, we came out and we – I was immediately relieved just to see that we weren't, we didn't come out the way that we feared we might. And in that first, you know, right away in the first 10 minutes, it was clear that we were on the field with Seattle, not just, you know, holding on or, or you know, getting by by the skin of our teeth. Um, it was right away, it was an even match where both sides had their chances. Um, and that was immediately a relief to me just to be like, okay, we're not going to have that. You know, they scored two in the first 10 minutes and the whole thing's over. Yeah, you know, I think the first thing that jumped out right away was how ready we were for Jordan Morris. The first thing we noticed, um, myself and Wes, the guy I was watching the game with, the first thing we noticed was how deep Metonier was playing as opposed to how high he normally gets up. So every time they would try to do this long through ball to Jordan Morris, Metonier would be there. He would be dropping back super far. Um, and it just completely took away the fast break aspect of Jordan Morris's game, which not to say he's a one trick pony, he's a very talented mm. goal scorer, but I think his first and foremost preferred method of scoring is just out muscle and out speed you and then rip a super powerful shot at your goalie and hope he gets scared of it. You know, it, it tends to end out that way and it works for him. So when we took that away, there was a couple of those moments where Morris got the ball, I started getting nervous and Metonier stuffed him. And I think overall, Metnir had a pretty good game. Yeah, I think again, it was it was barely right. It was they definitely were getting those 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 balls to him, and Morris is so much faster than he looks. Um, and they were there. He was getting their defense was pinging up long balls that were giving us issues. But again, it was kind of a bend not break, and we would always get back in time to slow it down. Um, it was not. A relaxing thing to watch uh but yeah we we did we held him you know especially again that first i mean really the first like 75 minutes we really did a good job of not letting them do that which is one of the main things that they like to do it's funny apologies if this is your tweet i don't remember who tweeted it but i saw it on twitter where somebody had said uh jordan morris has the face of a much slower man <laughs> and i t that cracked me up so good i'm like that is so true yes he has no right to be running that fast dude looks like uh, he looks like one of those orcs from lord of the ring or something that's too he's, mean he's that's a too square mean. the dude he is, is a, a he's a, square. Dude is a rectangle yeah um, he looks like spongebob squarepants <laughs> like i'm that dude is built literally like a brick mm-hmm Anyways, yeah, so he's fast, but... We did enough. We, we did enough. It, we held him up, and that's what we said. If, if our defense can at least keep us in it, we have a chance to win this. And then in, in the 27th minute off of... Um, uh, it was a thing. It's not, we didn't even really see it. There was a long goal kick that then I think like Lude pinged back to Finley, and he ended up getting his heel stepped down. We missed the whole thing during some replay, which I feel like FS1 is the worst offender of this these super long replays or when oh. they're talking about a player they just show a close-up of that player and it'll be like 15 seconds of just this like they're talking about kevin Molino. it's just like his face and it's like i get it like go back to the game we know who he looks like yeah. there's no huddles there's no timeouts please stop 
just please stop doing this. Yeah. So can anyways, we also we, stop having the coaches interviews in the middle of the game, dude? It's even when it's not our coach. I'm just like, I just this is terrible. It makes me so stressed out. So, anyways, 27th minute. Yeah, our, our D keeps us, keeps us in it, and and kind of out of nothing, we get a free kick that, I mean, Reynoso finally does it all right, and it just, I mean, bangs it in the corner. I'm not the well, corner now it's the side. worth before we even talk about the goal. That yellow card by Shane O'Neill, um, that was a pretty mm-hmm. dicey yellow. What do you think okay. about that? I tweeted about this. If it was a red on the field, it's an absolute red. It was a yellow on the field. I don't think you can overturn it. Um, I thought the ref did a really great job that night. Um, again, I'm always, you know, I'm always pushing for the fact that as much as we want our team to win, we came here to watch soccer. Um and the best soccer happens when it's 11 on 11. So in that moment, it definitely can go either way. The fact that it didn't go our way um, or that it wasn't a red, I would say, um, it just isn't something that bothered me. It was close. If it had been a round again, I wouldn't have been like, oh, man, we got away with one. Um, but in the end, he called it a yellow. I think a yellow is fine. Fine. I think that, you know, no matter what, if you're going to call that call as a yellow card, you kind of have to call the rest of the game a certain way. And I mm-hmm. thought that the ref, uh, Elfath, right? Elfath. I'm getting it right this time, yeah. I promise. Yeah. I think that's Ismail close. Elfath. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got it right. So uh, he called the game consistently. He's yes. not my favorite ref because I think he can do a lot of things very by the, like too much to the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. But I thought that mm. if you're going to call that a yellow, you have to ref the rest of the game consistently. And I think he largely let the players play. Um, I agree with you that if that's going to be a yellow, you can't go back and make it a red. So fine by me. I'm okay with it. And, and just as a total neutral, just like you're saying, nobody wants to watch the Western Conference final play out with 10 men for you know, the 27th minute on. So yeah. either way, we get a chance at a free kick and... Alex, how did you feel before the free kick? Did you see it coming? Did you sense it? No. Um, no. I I watched this whole match standing up. I did not sit down. I couldn't I couldn't sit down. I, I paced I moved the coffee table and I paced around my my little living room here. And I don't think I was even thinking of it in terms of like this is an opportunity. I think I was just so focused on the task ahead of us. Um, so I wasn't really even thinking in terms of what was going to happen. I was just like kind of in this like daze of watching what was happening in front of me. I saw him line it up and I just, I don't know. I, I was not expecting that. It's not like you doubt Reynoso, but you know, he just hasn't necessarily found the goal that much. And I guess I was expecting more of a pass into the box than a shot, but what a shot. The movement it takes the moment it goes over the wall was crazy. It like, it, as soon as it gets up over the wall, it like it jumps to the right like a foot or two. It's crazy. At first, at first the announcers were like, "Fry should have done better with that." Um, and then when you see it from behind, you realize like, "Holy smokes!" It, like it goes the first like half. First off, he takes this crazy run up to it, where it, like it comes off his foot at like you know a four, almost like ninety degrees. It looks like, and then it goes that first you know whatever ten yards to the wall, and then jets over like three feet almost. It feels like, and then curls into the bottom of the net like. It was crazy, and I can't, yeah, I mean, you can't blame it for not getting to it, and then it pings perfectly out the post and in. I mean, it was, again, it was a moment where I was, you know, running around the house screaming again. I mean, there, 
you could have asked me a thousand different scenarios of how last night, not last night, but last game was going to go. I would not have answered, we go up 1-0 in the 29th minute. Like, mm-hmm. for sure, that was not on my, my bingo card. I had us winning, because I'm always wrong, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a great start to it. I don't really think Stephen Fry could have done anything better on it. It was a great struck ball. It was very deceptive. Like you said, it kind of went straight for a second, and then it took a hard curve. Mm-hmm. I didn't think most of the goals in this game were, like, you know, easy save goals. No. I thought the the goalies really largely did a good job on both sides. You know, Stephen Fry deserves to get respect. He's a very good goalkeeper, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of really good saves. After that one happened, I definitely felt like, okay, great. Now when they get theirs, we're still even, and that gives us a chance to get up again. Uh, you know, that kind of that's just the mentality I had. Uh, you know, Stephen Fry, it's always going to be hard to get one in on him. Um, so even, even at that point, I'm still thinking, great. Now when they score, we're going to go, um, you know, go even again. And then, uh, whatever it is, the 57th minute, we get the, another free kick, you know, Reynoso puts in another great ball. Debasi gets up again and puts home a great header. And I'm like, holy smokes, you know, two, two up with 30 minutes to go. That header, by the way, I know none of us want to remember that game, but I hope, somebody got a good photo of that because he gets the like beautiful full head turn. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? It's a great looking mm-hmm. header. It's not just like you kind of trip and fall and it dings off your forehead, but like he redirects that sucker and it, Oh, uh, we got to find a picture of that. If you have one, send it to us because I want that on my, my wall or something. So Debasi mm-hmm. scores like that was awesome. What a pickup he has been. You know, I know Cal Williams said it when we first picked him up, but this was a guy with some pedigree that I think a lot of us fans were kind of writing him off as like, oh, it's a, a depth piece behind Chase. Mm-hmm. But he was never meant to be just a depth piece. This is somebody who came in and immediately commanded a spot right away. I mean, this dude is a very good defender. And no matter what happens with our roster and, you know, Ike, whatever the situation with that is, the fact that we have him next year is huge for us. Yeah, so that was actually in the 67th minute, not the 57th. So I was uh, full 10 minutes earlier. So yeah, it was late hours of the match. Um, Debasi's been, yeah, I mean, he was kind of a question mark. He came from that same second division um, French league, I think, that that, that uh, Metonair came from. Um, which, speaking of Metonair, we kind of jump right over that. He ended up going down um, pretty early. And after he went down, Seattle threw the ball in. I've mixed feelings about it. So to start off, Seattle can go kick rocks, like Mm -hmm. just kick all the hardest, largest rocks. On the other hand, I think the context behind it is a little tricky because he got injured and play stopped. And then we tried to put him back in and then it didn't work and the ball went out and you would have liked them to stop I think the sporting thing to do is is if a player really is injured and it's not like, you know, trying to gain an advantage in a certain scenario, yeah, I don't think you throw the ball in. But I also think we had Metonier looked at and then he went back into the game and it's like from a player's perspective, like if you're a Seattle player, they're thinking you got to make up your mind, either you're injured or you're not. And I don't, like if it was us talking about Seattle doing this situation, I wouldn't have a lot of sympathy for them, you know? Either sub your player or don't. But it was clear that he came on, he tried to fight through it, 
he kind of lost the ball and was forced to lunge at it. And when he did that, it was clear that whatever was nagging him had gone from a nag to something very bad. And that had happened in that lunge that he made that made the ball, the ball go out. I mean, whatever. And the other day, whatever. But that one, I was like... I don't, I don't love it. Man. I don't love it. I don't think it was super great, but I don't expect much out of Seattle. You know, I just, they're, they're, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was going to say. That makes That's a the 40th huge minute. difference in our game plan. That's the 40th minute. And, and I will not go on this pod and spout revisionist nonsense about mm-hmm. how, if we would have had Metonier, we definitely would have won. But if we would have had Metonier, we definitely would have won. <laughs> well, it just yeah. it, it makes such a difference because Dotson was clearly right. meant to be brought on later. You could tell a hundred percent that Heath was like, I don't know what to do. And we'll have to address yeah. Heath later in this pod too. Cause that was not a good reaction. As much as we miss you know, miss Metonaire the rest of the time, it does throw a kink into kind of the typical plan or the typical progression we would have going through subs. Um, you know, we we're forced to put Dotson on early. Um, in probably, you know, maybe, you know, we've talked about this a lot, whether or not that's his best position. Um, and we have a long ways to go, um, you know, riding, riding that. So I'm going to make a very bold statement. Sure. You ready? If I guess it's not that bold. So I'm sorry if I worked you up too much. I think where it all went wrong for us, the very start of where it went wrong for us. And let me know if you disagree is we took Ethan Finley off for Kai Kamara. And I've heard a lot of justification. I've heard a lot of reasoning about, um, you know, he's tall, he can defend on crosses. I get that. I get that he can allegedly hold the ball up and do, you know, that kind of a role as a striker. And this is meant as no disrespect to Kai Kamara because he is a MLS legend. I wish things would have worked out with us a little bit better with him. I think he was suited more for the... 2018 2019 loons than the 2020 loons um i just don't think he fits our current game plan but in this game specifically ethan finley was providing so much defensive pressure on the sounders half of the field and he was keeping he was doing a good job of keeping the ball pressed back and not Mm -hmm. giving them their first options and so ray is running around like a madman molino's running around like a madman lude's running around like a madman ethan's running around like a madman but ethan specifically in my opinion, was doing one of the best jobs of immediately getting to his guy. That's one of his best attributes is hustle and work effort and pace. And so he was getting to his guy. He wasn't giving them their first option. And so it threw off their game plan right from the start and they all had to adjust. And when we took off Ethan Finley, it's no surprise that all of a sudden things Mm -hmm. started to change for the game. 69th minute, Ethan Finley comes out and the game starts not going our way. And so in my opinion, there is a bunch of other subs I would have made maybe at that moment, but not Ethan Finley. What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah. And I mean, uh, we're kind of jumping around here, which is why we said we weren't going to go through this because it, everything is so tied together. So, yeah, coming back from the, you know, the Metonair injury in the 40th, um, the 67th minute is when we scored our second. And then right after that, we put Finley in for, uh, sorry, put Kai Kamara in, um, move Lude out to the right and put... Um, uh, Kai up top. I don't think I said that right, but you get what I mean. And my own, the only thing I can think is that was the plan that Ethan would spend 60, 70 minutes just running as much as you can to get back on D. And then we're going to, you know, Lude's going to sit up top and not do as much running. 
will switch out and then Lou's going to take up that position. Um, that's the only thing I can think or, or he's thinking we're up to let's get Kai in there to do more like hold up play. Um, it, it was not what I was expecting. Um, looking back, obviously it's easy to say it's not what you would have done, but even in the moment, I think it was a head scratcher. And I, and then also I'll go on record and say for the last game and for the game before it, I think we had had a similar sub pattern where Kai comes on for Ethan, Lude goes out to the right and I liked it. And on paper, I like that even for this game, except when you watch the game and mm-hmm. you're seeing how much of an impact Ethan was making, you, I th- I don't think that would yeah. have been my first choice. But it's worth saying, so then he goes on, that's 60th minute, that 69th minute that happens, um, the 70th minute, they put in Leardan and Brad Smith, and then three minutes later, they put on Will Bruin. All three very good players who arguably would be in the starting 11 if things were differently. So it's not just that change. The game changes a lot at the 70th minute um, in the in terms of the players, and then obviously that's when the momentum swings. Um and we can kind of just glaze over this because I don't think any of us need to relive it. 75th minute when they get their first, um, Will Bruin, the, the player who had just come on. Um, then the 89th minute, uh, Ruby Diaz gets one off a corner where I think Chase Gasper loses his man there and, and leaves him open on the back post. Um, and then 90th minute is when they score the winner off a, head, um, off a header um, from a corner kick, which was um, also a sub that had just come on. So the, the 70th minute is when the game definitely turns, not just because of Finley coming in, but that's when subs start coming. That's when Seattle pulls out all the stops. I think that the Kai Kamara sub was interesting, but I also think that Kai's attitude towards the match was interesting. You know, we don't know these guys. We don't know what's in their head, but it just looked like he wasn't in the same mindset as everyone else. I mean, Robin Lude had been chasing down every you know back pass and you know outlet pass and running to every ball um, almost naively like he's going to get there and Kai Gamara just kind of came out and, like jogged around kind of did like your typical number nine like keeping the defense honest jogging back and forth uh, but he just didn't have that killer instinct that that Lude had and I don't know if that made a difference but it just rubbed me the wrong way that's that's exactly what I saw and I would say that in a normal game what's a reasonable amount of effort for a nine but what we were asking from our players in the Western Conference final was much more than that and so you were seeing Ethan Finley like pouring his soul out you were seeing Reynoso running all over the field you know even Molino's doing his best although Molino's not necessarily you know, the the defensive whiz that we would wish him to be. But yeah, I, I guess like even, so I know a lot of people don't love Robin Lude on the left. I, I don't necessarily either. Lude man is better on the right man. But <laughs> in this scenario, it almost would have even made more sense to take Molino off and put Lude onto the left and keep Finley and Lude on. Because, you know, mm-hmm. no offense to Kevin Molino, four goals in the last two playoff games, that's absurd. Good for him. But if we're trying to play a little bit more defensively, he might be somebody that you don't necessarily need on. I just think Ethan had done such a good job so far that it it really kind of deflated our energy and we gave them too much time to make decisions on what they wanted to do. And that's what started to kill us. Ironically, nothing came from open... Well, only one goal came from open play. Again, we were right there and... And I will say it didn't 
you know, even at the height of the 2-0 up in the 70th minute, it never felt the way that Kansas City felt. I mean, it just, it, it never felt, you know, again, both of our goals had come from set pieces. It was really back and forth. We had gotten a few, you know, uh, maybe not lucky, but they had a few good chances that, that we were able to, to sniff out. Um, Rui Diaz had the goal that was called back at one point. Um, it, so it just didn't have the, the feeling that Kansas City felt. So this idea that, like, we we gave it up, I, I don't I don't subscribe to. But also, I think that there is a lot of conversation that's happening around the substitutions. And I think that that's rightfully so because they all played a very big role in the match. Uh, on the Seattle side, literally just scoring the goals. And on the Minnesota side, um, just, just how they unfolded. Was it the right time to do it? Um, after the 70th minute, we didn't see anyone until basically the game was over. Um, you wouldn't even notice it if you weren't paying attention, but Schoenfeld came on and like ran around for a bit. What do you think about the lack of substitutions earlier? So, you know, I had... I had thought about it for a while, and you know, as you might know, my opinions on Adrian Heath are that I, I believe he is a perfectly fine MLS coach. I think that he has done a lot this year, and there's plenty that we'll talk about in our year-end wrap-up about him, um, both good and bad. Um, I like Adrian Heath overall as an MLS coach, and I like that he is on our team. He has one massive Achilles heel, and it's his substitution trends and they don't make any sense to me. And I would also argue that in Major League Soccer, there is not nearly the height of talent as other leagues. And so there is no way that the drop-off in talent can be that significant. So for example, if you go to a Barcelona game where Messi is your starter, how do you find somebody who's not a, you know, severe drop-off from Messi. Well, you can't. So anyone you sub in is going to be a drastic decrease in talent. Whereas we're subbing off, I and no disrespect, again, no disrespect, but like you're subbing off Ethan Finley and you can't put Marlon Hairston to be a defensive winger or you're going to really tell me that, you know, Raheem Edwards can't play a defensive left-wing role. Like I understand what Heath talks about in games where you have a lot of shots on goal and we almost are scoring and it's like zero zero he'll say stuff like you don't want to ruin the game flow i get that but when we're holding a lead put some fresh legs on i just don't think you can defend it there's no defense of he just paused you could have thrown out a center back you could have thrown out and i know people will tell me well you know he was trying to make sure we had scores for overtime the second they scored a goal, you should have had three dudes come on right now, three brand new fresh legs with new instructions on what to do and how we're defending. That's my opinion. But you look like you've got some thoughts, Alex. I'd love to hear them. I think first off, first off, there is a lot more to coaching than the substitutions you make during a match. And I think that there's a lot of people who Absolutely. forget that or don't understand that. And I don't know how to help those people. First off, I would argue that Heath substitutions, you know, are always bad. He has, he, I'll get into that in a second, but last so game, they were fantastic. More, they were fantastic. The last, last game. They were the same last game. That's the thing because they we didn't but sub they, last they game until the, super late. They fit the, they fit the situation and we won. Yeah. I just think they so didn't. there's people, people think about it differently, man. Yeah, I no, I so agree. We're saying the same a, thing. There's I agree. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into coaching beyond what happens with the substitutions. And I think that when you look at what Heath has done with this team, you can't say he's a bad coach. Um, 
And that's not even like a personal opinion. There are there are like statistical facts. I mean, if we had made it to the finals, we would have been like the third quickest team to do it. Um, but I'll leave that there because th- there's no way to wrap that conversation up. Um, the subs last night. Well, no, First I think off, there's I think a good that- way to, to address that. You're talking about people who are saying yeah, it lives. Heath lives and dies on his substitutions. On Sound of the Loons, just earlier today, Steve McPherson brought up a, a good point that I know you and I have both separately brought up on Twitter. Why does Heath, for a lot of fans, only get credit for the losses or the bad things? But then we forget that he's lost all these players, pulled this team all the way to a, a Western Conference final, and people are still going, yeah, well, you know, he, but he's snarky during interviews. Can we give him credit that, like you said, if we would have won this game, we would have been the third fastest team to the MLS Cup Finals? That's not just something that every coach can do. It's just, it's just not. Right, and I think that's why I, I kind of am just am, am inclined to leave it there because you're never going to get the Heath out crowd to see it any differently. They have their own reasons for doing and, and viewing things the way that they view it, and it's not based on Heath's performance. Um, I think it's based on um, a, something. It's it's something that has to do with kind of protecting themselves, or um, you know, especially when losses happen. If you just blame someone, you blame the coach. You say you always knew the coach sucked, and you knew this was going to happen. Um, I think it's easier for people, and I think that that's where that that point of view comes from. But, I want to address a very specific crowd really quick because there's a crowd. Okay. There's a crowd that would rebut back to you and I, Alex, and they would say well, 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 we're not saying Heath is bad or that he needs to be fired. We're just saying that you should always be looking for a better coach and that, that we think we can do better than Heath. I know there's people who say that. I'm you know, not going to go into super far who it all is, but there is that sentiment floating around. And I think while that's a fair point, you have to push back on that point and say, okay, you got to first find a coach that is in fact, better than Heath, that will work better than Heath with these players that will come in and be able to turn it around quickly, and most importantly, that actually wants to coach here at Minnesota. I'm not saying it's a bad place to coach, but it's not LA Galaxy, it's not LAFC, it's not Inter Miami, it's not the premier coach's first choice destination. And so, could you find a better coach? Sure, you could, but you run the risk of blowing up exactly what we've been doing for the past four years where we've seen step-by-step year-by-year progress and so to see him deliver on the three-year plan by taking us to the playoffs fourth year we're now in the western conference final you don't want to give him one more year and see if we can keep following the trend Mm -hmm. i i think he deserves one more year yeah yeah and i think that's another i mean right there i'm not sitting here saying that right now heath deserves to have you know the coach of the year word named after him i'm saying he has been a great coach for us the idea that you're just going to go get someone better is just i don't know lazy why don't you dumb, hop into your you job cannon and fire off into the land of right. coaches and pick I mean, them off and a look coach at, look tree. at I me mean, look at orlando it took them five years to find someone who's even you know halfway viable and they still haven't made it as far as we have and then someone like atlanta goes out and supposedly gets this big name coach and it's just a flop so and then he goes and coaches netherlands the the next year other thing yeah um so and and you know cal said it best probably and anyone with half a footballing brain can't honestly say that 
Heath should be out after this year. So can we make um, our okay. stance here on on Heath that he is not perfect. He's not an angel. Yeah. But he deserves he, respect for what he's done. You you mentioned, you know, that he he has issues with subs. Um I he also needs to figure out this doghouse thing. Oh man. Um, you can't just and maybe maybe again maybe we'll hear that this player did do something, you know, players do Again, the Darren Quintero thing, I think that as I've learned more about what, what Darren was like when he was here, um, I've come around on, on, how, on how he treated him, um, and maybe that'll be true for some of the people I feel that maybe have been slighted this year. But at the same time, man, like, come on. Like, you, you, a player can't piss you off, and, like, you can't, you know, you're not going to play him for the rest of the season. But I want to move on because I have a couple things to talk about Yep, here. rein me in. Let's do it. So the subs is obviously the hot point of the game. Um, I think that we talk about players not being ready for the moment. And I think that last night, or not last, we keep saying last night, um, that that Monday night, I think that Heath wasn't quite ready for those lights just yet. I think that Minnesota United learned a lot that night, and it'll help us so much going forward. And I think Heath might be at the top of that list. When you're playing a team like Seattle, your margin for error is so small. And he blinked, and a better coach, or a more experienced coach, if nothing else, took advantage of that. He made his subs when he knew he wanted to make them, and he made them confidently. He had his people lined up, and they went in and they changed the game. And yes, the Metonair thing screwed up the game plan for Heath, but again, he didn't really have, he couldn't adjust. He wanted to put Dotson in, he didn't, he couldn't put Dotson in, then he wasn't sure what to do. Now you're up by two. Do you like go defensive? Do you wait? He tried to kind of go halfway. I feel like with with the Kai Kamara sub, that didn't work. Um, and then you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, boom, boom. I should say. Now you're tied. Now what do you do? Now you need to go get a goal. And you've already kind of run your goal scorers ragged. And there, so it just. I think it just all happened very quickly. And again, Heath kind of blinked. And when you're playing a team like Seattle, um, you're just not going to get. You're not going to get away with that. But I will also say, I don't really, I have a hard time picturing in my head what I would do, even looking back, what I would do with the sub situation. So you're up 2 0, 70th minute. Do you, what? Are you thinking you take out Molina at that point, like your top goal scorer, and just assume that you're not going to need to score any more goals this game? Because without him on the field, even if he's not the one scoring the goals, that changes our goal scoring, you know prowl or uh, you know a goal scoring ability uh, hugely so then when they do you know assuming that that doesn't stop them from getting their one now you're only up by one with you know whatever 15 minutes left to go and you basically you know you've cut your goal scoring ability you know in half or whatever and i think that's true with everyone you sub in we didn't really have a sub other than kai kamara that left us with scoring ability everyone was just going to kind of keep taking us further and further away from that and i think on top of that you have to take into account that Ozzy Alonso is playing in his old team in what might be his last game ever. We don't know yet. Like, how much do you give? How much room do you give him to say, "I need to be subbed"? Um, you know, at that point, do you just take him off and you say, like, "I'm doing what's best for the team," or do you give him a little more runway? Um, even if you are giving him more runway, is taking him off the best thing for the team? You know, hey, is Harrison? How much of a drop off is that? You know, you talked about he's not. You know, you know, you don't have the messy kind of drop off, but I would argue. You also don't have unlimited money where you can just go buy a better, you know, bench player. So I just I don't think it's as simple, but I will say I do think that Heath got it wrong. 
I don't blame him for that. I think he learned a lot, um, but I think it could be done better. And I think that he learned a lot last night. And next time around, we're all going to be better off for it. I agree. I agree. I think um, that's optimistic, but I think it's rightfully so. I would say it's been a full 48 hours since since the game. So, yeah, I've thought over and over and over about what I would have done and what subs I would have made. And, yeah, it's the perfect game plan, and it would have won us the game. But that's only because <laughs> I have the knowledge of hindsight. You know, and I think that's— So a, what would it have been? What would, what would you have done? Well, I mean, we don't need to Let's get into it, Alex. We're busy. I know we're really busy. So I, we don't have to talk <laughs> yeah. about the perfect game plan that would have 100% won us the game. But hey, you know what? I'll take a crack at it. Uh, so where I would have started is the Finley for Kai substitution. Would not have made mm-hmm. that substitution. And I'm going to go ahead and try to pretend like I have no knowledge of what happens next. Okay, so I'm going to go into it from the 70th minute pretending I don't know if they score one goal or three goals or four goals or no goals. So Kai Kamara hasn't really been a goal-scoring threat for us all year. I mean, he scored one goal all year for us, and it was off of a penalty kick. So I'm not looking for him to score goals. At the 70th minute, really 69th, um, we, we're up 2-0. My game plan and my thought process is that I want to keep them as far away from the goal as possible We've run Lude and Reynoso and Molino and Finley pretty ragged. So they're not necessarily going to be open play goal scorers. We're up 2-0. You can hang on. You still need to push them. So um, I know that this is a Heath doghouse move, but I'm pretending that I'm Heath and I don't put people in the doghouse. By saying that, my first substitution is Raheem Edwards for Kevin Molino. Is that is that if you had been coach all year or just for this? Edwards hasn't played a game since like what September. Yeah, you can so, throw him on so, in the semi conference in the conference final. That's fair. That's a fair point because yes, it would have. I, I am operating that in my brain he would have gotten more playing time. But okay. let's let's pretend that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so then you don't take off. Um, excuse me, you don't put on Raheem Edwards. If, if we're going to play that game, then at that point, I probably would have... Oh, you just threw a wrench into everything. No, this leave this I'm in. Saying, yeah, you're dude. right, you're it's right. It's not that okay, simple. Okay, so I understand <clears throat> Edwards has not played all year. Um, so I am largely basing it off of what we've seen. So I get that. I'm going to stick with it, though, because here's my justification. He's very fast. He's in average dribbler uh he has defensive abilities and he has a pretty nice motor he doesn't you i don't know what is the hang up with heath and what has happened with his other teams so i'm not going to speculate on any of that but a guy like raheem edwards wants to win i would assume he wants to win and so if he can go out there and put the same kind of pressure that finley was putting on that lude was putting on that uh reynoso was putting on on their half of the field we're off to a good start. Then when they start making all those substitutions right away, I'm going to go ahead and say, Ozzy Alonso, I know this is going to be really hard for you, but we're going to win this game. And I want you to start in the MLS cup. So you're coming off. All right. I'm throwing Ja'Cory Hayes on there or Raheem Edwards. One or the other, it's fine. You could move Dotson into the center for Ozzy, which would have been the move that 
Heath probably would have done all along and move Hairston to right back, which he has played before. Is he an elite right back? He is not. But you don't have to have elite right backs when you're parking the bus and doing long balls stretching the field. I, I don't think that's ridiculous for me to say. So then you're saying we do park the bus at that time? Not a not a minute. not a full park the bus. You're still trying to you just a parcel of park. Well, just so like, what you like we're we're time wasting is what we're doing. So okay. we're trying to stretch the field. We've got Finley and Edwards. Edwards is the left winger. Finley's the right winger. We are pushing the ball as far into the corners as possible. We're doing just time wasting. Slow it in the corner. Launch it into the box. If we get a corner kick, great. We've been doing well off set pieces and we try to run out as much as possible. Is it a perfect game plan? I mean, obviously in my head it is. Does it work? Who knows, because we'll never know. In the moment, Heath was doing what he thought was best, and I'm not gonna second guess that. I wish Edwards wouldn't have been in the doghouse all year. I wish he would trust some of the other players, because I do think Ozzy Alonso is one of, if not the greatest defensive Major League Soccer defensive midfielders of all time. But he's 35, 36. It's not his fault that after 70, 75 minutes, he's not keeping up with 22-year-olds. It's just not reasonable, and that's not saying he's bad. But at some point, you just need somebody who can run step for step with somebody. They don't have to be an elite tackler. They don't have to be you know, that defensive bite in the midfield that everyone keeps talking about. They just have to be somebody who can be in the way and be energetic and run with the ball down the field to get it away from poor Dane St. Clair. That's my game plan. Critique as you will, and I'm sure we'll hear some stuff on Twitter, so feel free to tell me why I'm an idiot because yeah. I am. But That's that's interesting. I don't think that I, – I never would have I never would have thought of Edwards. I, I you know Again, I love the guy, but at this point, I don't think you can throw him in there. Um, I think Molino did need to come off. I mean, as much as we talked about, he's he's the goal scorer. Um, so what do you think about beat. Lude on for Molino and then Kai up and Molino comes I th- off? I think, I think we should have taken Molino out, um, which sucks. You know, we're definitely not happy to see Molino go, but he, you could tell he was done. He was so done. Um, and so even fresh, he, he doesn't offer up. a ton of defensive cover. Right. Like, no offense, but he's an offensive winger. He doesn't really do a lot of defensive. Yeah. So I think you need to get him out of there. And then you need to put someone else on who can give you something similar. Um, so if it's, you know, um, if it's putting... You're not going to say Chacon, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody oh God, who's no. played all year, Tomas Chacon. Mm-hmm. No. Um, if it's something like you put, um, and I think, I think what you end up doing is you end up doing a couple different moves with one player. So like you put Hayes on and then you move, you know, you move pieces so that you end up with Hayes playing kind of the most defensive ish role he can. Um, or you put Harrison on and then, you know, if you need to flip Finley over to the other side, um, something so that, so that you can. Have someone on the wing who can help and get back on those plays um, and offer more defensively. Uh, I haven't thought a lot about it, so maybe you know, maybe when I hear this back, I'll think, well, wait a minute, you couldn't do that because X, Y, Z. Um, but again, I think my my point of this whole thing is that it's not as easy as I think a lot of people made it out to be. And even with the hindsight, I can't come up with a system that I think is really great. Because again, if he goes super defensive, and we just sit back and absorb blows. 
people are going to say like, you know, classic Heath tries to park the bus in the 70th minute. Um, so he doesn't do that. He tries to put on Kai Kamara, um, who if, you know, if, if all of a sudden he had pinged in a goal because Seattle was pushing and we end up winning three to one or something, he would look like the genius, but it didn't go that way. And again, I think that's fine. I think that we, we get, we get, again, I, I'm just as disappointed, if not more disappointed than everyone here. You can ask my girlfriend after the game. We didn't, you know, it was, it was a somber mood around here. I dumped out the rest of my beer. I didn't even finish the beer. Beers for winners. There's no winning tonight. <laughs> dumped out the beer. I was done. But I think that we have to, again, this is, this is, these are sports. This is something that we do for fun. Don't let yourself get so wrapped up in the winning and the losing that you just like ruin it for yourself and you just spend the whole time being negative. That was a great game. That was It was such a fun game to be a part of. It was a historic game to be a part of. It didn't go our way, but holy smokes, like how entertaining was that? You know, we're up and they're having chances and they score and it gets called back and then like, you know, in the stoppage time and like people are going down injured and there's, I mean, come on, like that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, it didn't go our way, but like that's what we're here for. Yeah, I got to tell you, so I'm watching this game um, with my friend Wes, who, who's not a soccer fan, and so we go up 2-0, and he basically says, like, oh, this is good. Like, you know, punch your ticket to the final. I said, oh, hold on. Wait a second. And they score a goal, and they Rui Diaz scores the second. And he looks at me, and he, he says, you know, you can freak out if you want. Because I was, like, just standing there. Because I'm like, I want this guy to, like, like soccer, you know? Uh, so I don't want to, like, make him super uncomfortable and freak out. But he literally turns to me and goes, you know, you can freak out if you want. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm like in shock, man. This sucks. But I think there's something I really want to point out because I think this is, to me, super cool about the game. So Seattle Sounders, one of the historic all-time best MLS teams, beat us. So that stinks. Did they beat us by absolutely shellacking us with goals uh, in open play? Like, think about how we beat mm -hmm. uh, Sporting KC. Did they yeah. just work through our entire team and score goal after goal on mm -hmm. us? Did they embarrass us? Did they nutmeg us? No. The first goal was a weird garbage, like it bounced off of Boxall, so he turned around, and then, um, gosh, who scored the just, first one? Was it Bruin? Yeah, it was one of the late subs, yeah, and it just Bruin stopped. It just landed it. right in his foot. It landed his foot, and he. it was a good goal. I'm not criticizing it. But this was no, not yeah. Jordan Morris like rainbowing o over our heads and yeah. like embarrassing oh, just, like, us, picking us apart with like two, three, no, you know, was, one, two passes. It was a messy goal, and then the next two goals again, after sh just shellacking us with shots because we're kind of parking the bus, kind of not. It's in our half for like thirty minutes, and they score two goals off of corner kicks, which. Some people can be negative, and, and there's reason to be negative and be, you know, why didn't you cover the all-time MLS playoff goal scorer, Rui Diaz, on a corner kick? I don't know. You probably should. Probably should cover him. But on the other hand, we were two messy corner kicks away from an MLS Cup. And that's something, set-piece defense, you can coach pretty easily. Like, you can fix that. And that's sometimes just the luck of the draw, too. If Debassi is one step closer to Rui Diaz, that's not a goal. He almost got his foot there. One step yeah. closer, it's not a goal. If they're not 
tied 2-2. Like he says, goals change games. And who knows if they're still in that situation where they get that header in the 90-plus mm-hmm. minutes. So I really think there's a lot to look at how Seattle beat us and go, did we get absolutely worked? Not at all. We were punch mm-hmm. for punch with a team that I think will win the MLS Cup, and that's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't – and we also, like – weren't we didn't just like shut down the whatever it they had their chances the whole game it was back and forth we made better use of ours in the beginning and they made better use of theirs at the end uh but again it's it's not a switch on and off you can be disappointed that that things didn't go your way at the end and you can you know have feelings about decisions that were made and you can you know do things differently next year uh, while also not having this just like, oh, here we go, Minnesota sports again. Everything sucks, and we're never going to win, and the world is terrible. I just don't have any patience for it, man. It was a really, really good season. It was a really fun match to watch. It didn't go our way, but there was only one team every year that finishes with a win, and it wasn't us this year. And I think that you just got to you gotta be more – you got to be have – you got to keep things in perspective a little more um, than a lot of what I'm seeing. So, yeah, man, like, I mean, that's where I'm at. Again, definitely heartbroken, but I just think that there's a middle ground um, that I I wish, you know, more people saw. And it was a really, really good year and a really fun match. Um, And we learned a lot. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Did you have anything else on this match that you felt like you wanted to point out? Um, I want to point out today that the FIFA Team of the Week like FIFA 21, the FIFA team of the week featured your very own Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, and I immediately went out and purchased him for uh, my FIFA team. Oh, I thought but you meant just an actual person. No, I, on the video game, he's oh, like the, one better. of the special players of the week. And the rest of the players are all League Un and La Liga and Bundesliga players. And he's sitting right alongside them. And the point I'm trying to make with this is I think that game specifically, and the three games that predate it, but that game specifically, was almost like Emmanuel Reynoso's announcement party. Like, he announced himself to Major League Soccer. You know, you'd hear, like, Weeby and David Goss sometimes mention Babylo, and they'd kind of laugh it off and say, like, oh, he's pretty good. We'll see if he's worth the investment. But he set an MLS record his first time in Major League Soccer playoffs by getting seven assists in three games. That's the Mm -hmm. most assists in Major League Soccer playoffs in the least amount of games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did in in three. Um, Number two was from 2008, who had six in four. Um, And actually, so everyone is tied under him. So there's three people who had six assists in the playoffs. Um, In 2008, it was six and four. In 2000, it was six and seven. Um, and then in 1999, it was six in six, um, which those are all also in the aggregate era, right? So I feel like that has to be said too, like in the aggregate area where like one game means more or less than the other, I feel like you can't really just draw a line to it being like every game means something and every game was against a new team. Um, I mean, yeah, dude, he did the whole thing. He did the assist. He got the free kick goal. Um, he played, I mean, I think we, we, we kind of didn't talk about it, but really when, when we started stop, when, when the game turned, um, Seattle also just realized that they just need to stop right now. So whatever that means, however many people that means you have to put on them, just do not let this person do anything else. Um, and he still he still had some plays. 
Uh, he still yeah, had some man. plays. Reynoso. I, th- I think, you know, so we think about, not that they're the same person or the same player, every player's experience is different, but you think about Robin Lude coming middle of the season last year, struggling to find his position and his fit in the team and his chemistry with his teammates. And while there's differences because Robin Lude really wasn't a left winger and probably should have been on the right wing, um, and Emmanuel Reynoso is playing in his natural 10 position, the point being is that Reynoso came into a brand new team halfway through the season, got thrust into probably the most turbocharged schedule he's ever been in. We're playing games every like, you know, three days or whatever it might be. He doesn't fully speak English from what I understand. Is that, that's correct, right? I've never heard him speak English. Okay. So he may understand some, but he doesn't even speak the same language as a significant number of his teammates. And yet he still manages to have such good talent that he gets what, like 13 assists in 15 games or something like that. I don't want to make up the stat, but it's something ridiculous. Um, There is a lot of reason to be insanely excited about Emmanuel Reynoso. If he gets a full off season to train with his teammates, to connect with them, whether it's through English or just understanding their, their patterns on the field, or his teammates can learn Spanish, you know? Mm-hmm. It's good to be bilingual for some of us Americans who don't speak two languages. It's very handy. But if he starts developing that chemistry, which he already started with Kevin Molino, I I don't know how you can't get excited just extrapolating those numbers. Yeah. 13 well, assists, and then you times two because he came in halfway through the season. It's 26. Yeah, and I think the goal scoring is going to become a part of his game. We talked about that last week, um, and I think it's coming. Um, and then a, a two number nine, uh, you know, when, when we get this number nine that I think that is definitely happening in the off season. Um, I think that if we get Amaria back, we're still going to get someone else on top of him. Um, it's going to be a great year. Um, and this year, I mean, again, this, and I think that we're kind of, we're moving away from the match. Um, so if you have anything we missed, you know, hit us up and let us know some of your thoughts on, on other things. Um, this year, you know, it was, it was crazy for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think that some of the stuff that we missed that wasn't quite as obvious was just, how much the weird schedule kind of mixed everything up and how much, you know, our players weren't able to train. Um, you know, when we look at off-season stuff, I think that's something that you and I had talked about is, like, a lot of our, like, second depth players, we don't really know where they're at because we didn't have, like, the friendlies and, like, the Open Cup stuff. Like, I, yeah, I, I still couldn't tell you, like, what Harrison's, you know, future is. I, I have no idea where Heath wants him. Um, you know, we, we didn't see Chacon play, obviously, which which that's for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, Billingsley and, and Musa and all these different players that we would normally would have seen in like open cup and friendlies or just when you have a full season and you're kind of okay with losing one, you know, you have your whatever away on Wednesday at, you know, whatever it is. And you kind of just send your second team. Basically, we didn't see those matches this year. And so we just have so many players. We don't really know where we stand with. I think that's another thing of this year that we got, that got kind of got lost, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Those I think I, I was surprised at kind of how much I missed that extra stuff that's not your first team. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, let's go check out, you know, let's go check out how Moose is doing. Oh, for sure. It it's super exciting to be able to see some of those players and to get them reps with different games and, and that rotation. And it certainly has been a year that has played into Heath's greatest weakness, which is the substitutes and Mm -hmm. sometimes the lack of squad rotation. So Mm -hmm. it's even played into his disadvantage. We've still had a largely successful season. I want to speak to something you said quickly about 
Tomas Chacon. Um, I have a theory, Alex. I don't know if you've ever kind of heard those theories floating around about Melania Trump, uh, Donald Trump's wife, where oh, a lot God. of people <laughs> believe that 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 certain certain uh, public appearances by Melania weren't actually her. They were like a different lady oh, like in a body sunglasses. Level? Like a body double, yeah, okay. and it, yeah. You, they would like judge by her chin and her smile, and they're like, oh, mm. it's not really her smile, like it doesn't match up with her face shape. I have a theory they lost Tomas Chacon like months ago. Like he mm. just disappeared, and they've been putting a small child in a wig and putting a face mask on him and just being like, you're you're Tomas today, just go out there. Because he doesn't have to play, so no. they never prove it. Yeah, so that it, was. I think that was. Do we have like proof? A, He's still that was around. Actually like a fan experience I saw online. It was like when you know, enter to win a. You can be Thomas Chacon for one. You can game. be Thomas Chacon for a yeah. day. Yeah, must no, be under what, five um, six. Right, that's what they did with Avril Lavigne too. Avril Lavigne died back in two thousand, and it's been a, it's a totally different person now. Look it up; it's real. Um, We're gonna have on, a great uh, conspiracy theory podcast this, at the actually, end you know of what? the season. This is the last one that talks about soccer. From now on, we're just body double conspiracy theories. Um, on a positive note, Don, Donnie G, Don Garber is saying we're going to be back up and running again in March of 2021. So we've got just a short, what, three or four months here, uh, and soccer's back. So rest I'm up. not holding my breath because the last Don who told me that we'd be back up and running was Donnie <laughs> T, and he was saying we'd be back up and running by Easter. So boom, got him. Oh, we're good today. Oof. Um, okay. That strikes inspiration for me because the MLS has done this well so far. They've they've handled it largely as as well as they could. Um, again, I'm not holding my breath, but I'm optimistic that hopefully we can have some semblance of a normal season next year. Do you know if they're attempting to do like um, the Concacaf Champions League and Open Cup and all that stuff next yeah, year? Yeah, remember we talked. Oh, next year. 2021. Yes. I think right now the plan is that everything is going to be back to normal next year. Good. I mean, that's as okay. far as we know. Um, also, in December, we get back to the CONCACAF Gold Cup, right? We talked about I that so. December 12th, so dude, not hmm. even that long. Um, we're going to have a whole off-season. We're planning on kind of going down like maybe one or two episodes a month um, during the off-season where we'll just kind of come on, talk about any news we heard. Um, again, maybe maybe CONCACAF stuff. Uh, but before we, you know, before we leave I here, heard some I, I news, want- Alex. What did you hear? I heard that Minnesota United is courting and likely about to sign a certain number six named Will Trap. One L, two P's. Really? Yeah. It was just announced on The Athletic today. I'm surprised you didn't see it because you referenced the article. You know, I I did see it. Earlier. Um, So you may have seen it. I I appreciate you playing along for me. but I I wasn't uh, playing along. I think I just saw lightning outside my window, and it totally sent me into a different different dimension. That was Will Trapp arriving in Minnesota. He just (laughs) lightning bolt down. Touchdown like Thor. Uh, Yeah. I did see that, and somehow I read it and immediately switched to Ben Sweat and then was, like, reading Ben Sweat. And, like, I was like, people don't even like this guy. Why is everyone so excited? (laughs) Um, Yes, Will Trapp. I think that's great. I think that's great. I'm not like, I'm not over the moon about it. I mean, it's it's hard because it's kind of like, you can't replace Ozzy, but also Ozzy isn't really going to be Ozzy anymore. So it's like this, we've lost this thing that can't be obtained again. Um, Will Trap's damn close, I think, for sure. Um, so hopefully that comes through. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to believe anything until, you know, until the ink dries, but that would be cool. Yeah, be I cool. think... 
I, for anybody fretting that this isn't an Ozzy replacement, I want you to take that idea of us replacing Ozzy with a, a like-for-like like number six, crumple it up into a ball, and just throw it in the trash. You will never replace Osvaldo Alonso. You won't. Mm-hmm. They literally named the MLS Defender of the Year Award after him. Maybe not literally. Did they literally do it? I, I think, think they did. Don't they call it, it yeah. the Ozzy Alonso? Yeah. I think He's so. still playing. He hasn't even retired and they named that it after him. That might just be extra time, actually. That might just be an unofficial thing. All right. Well, they being extra time because they're official, right? Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> my point being is that when you have an elite player, I'm talking top one or two of all time in the MLS, you will never replace that quality exactly. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you can. I guess never is probably not fair to say, but don't expect Minnesota to have Diego Chara waiting in the wings. It's not just going to happen. I was going to say uh, Valeri for a second, but that's not mm-hmm. right. Chara. You're not going to have a Chara just waiting in the wings. We will have to go through a few sixes. We'll have to be resourceful and smart. But next year, Jan Gregush will probably be at the Euros. Um, we don't know what to expect necessarily with our midfield, whether it's Ja'Cory Hayes or Marlon Hairston. I think they're both promising, but we don't know. Will Trapp is an accomplished MLS player who's 27. He's still got young legs. He doesn't take up an international spot. We got him on a free transfer. I mean, is it the DP we didn't number get six? Him yet, by the way. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Yes, we didn't get him yet. Uh, Please, I hope we get him because that would just be a bummer. We're, we're getting excited about this. But I think it's a savvy move. You know, how yeah. many of us were excited about Ja'Cory Hayes when we picked him up last year? I wasn't. I had no idea who he was, no highlight reel, no nothing to watch. There wasn't even, like, good stats from the, you know, FC Dallas website. Mm-hmm. And yet Ja'Cory Hayes looks like he will be a major rotational contributor for our team next yep. year. Yeah, uh, and I think that when you're looking at the way that, and, and this is kind of, again, we're going to have a whole offseason, but before we wrap up here, and, and I think we talk a little bit about the final, which I haven't even decided if I can watch yet. Um, we're going to talk, I'm gonna, I want to run down a few players that we need to decide we're going to do with this year. Uh, but I think we're going to start to see players that we thought maybe would be the starter. We're going to get someone over them. And I think that that, I think that another part of Renoso having such a huge role was it was kind of this proof of concept that like if you go spend money you get those results and it's a it's maybe not always but in in a lot of the cases it's going to be a direct comparison and I think that we're used to seeing if someone like that comes in you're like oh well that's going to be our starter that's crazy I don't know maybe not maybe he's going to be uh, maybe he's going to be the the 1a and we're going to get someone above him we don't know I think that this this team's going to go through a lot of changes in the future and we're going to raise the whole thing up and some of those people who who would have been starters um, maybe aren't anymore, um, or it's it's going back and forth, and you know, a good competition. Um, so we don't know. We'll see what happens with him if he gets signed. If he does get signed, we'll see if he starts. Um, maybe we just know of a different team that wants him. We're gonna like buy him and sell him. We don't know. Just no reason to get worked up yet. Let's see what happens. Exactly. Um, Grant, I want to ask you. I have one, two, three, four, five players written down. I want to know what you think we should do with them this off season. All right. The first one is obvious um, and kind of not really up to us, but Luis Amaria, tell me your thoughts on him. Luis Amaria, re-sign him. Uh, This man was loaned to us, made his first ever Twitter account. I won't out him, but it's very loons-based. 
Uh, he keeps it private, and I think that's intentional, so I don't want to out what it is, but it, it's a very loons-based thing, and so I don't know why you'd make that if you don't love the team you're on. So he comes over to the team, and he seems to gel immediately. You know, he he seems to like his teammates. He comes in, he promises 25 goals, and in the preseason and the first two games he played, he looked good for him. I mean, we had... The thing you have to keep in perspective is... We literally, as Loons fans, are going to have to set like a BC and AD kind of thing. And that's BE and AE, which is before Emmanuel and after Emmanuel. Oh, okay. Yeah. You feel me? Because <laughs> here's the thing Luis Amaria was scoring goals when our primary 10 was Kevin Molino. And that's not an insult to Kevin Molino, but I think it's fair to say that is. Kevin Molino is not the level of 10 that Reynoso is. Is that fair? That's not insulting, oh, no, right? I, I, that's, think that's, he, I think he would admit that, right? I mean, yeah. it's obvious. So we were B.E. We were before Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I'm missing that, like, Christmas song, you know? Is it? You know what I'm talking about? No, never mind. <laughs> I do. I the screwball is really getting yeah, to me. I like I this like stuff. I feel like you got to just keep going. <laughs> All right, I'll answer faster. My point being, Emmanuel, no. Luis showed me enough pre-Emmanuel that I'm already excited about him without a clear number 10. With a clear number 10, I will take a waiver on it. Whether his current club is willing to sell him for an affordable price, that's, I think, the tricky part. Right. But if you're asking me, Grant, if it's a semi-reasonable price, I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, give me Luis Amaria. Yeah. Um, do you get someone else then, or is that is that your guy? No, I think you still have to... I think... That would be the point where you jettison Aaron Schoenfeld and Kai Kamara and you look for what Kai Kamara probably should have been. So you're looking for a bit more of a veteran striker who's savvy, kind of has a little bit more knowledge. Um, I'm thinking of maybe guys like Dom Dwyer. We could sign Don't, him. I know we love that him. Name. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I love how every time he comes up, people just lose their minds. He's I the tweeted, worst. We all hate him. Nobody's going to sign him. We're not going to sign him. A couple years ago, he was in the Minneapolis airport, and it was in the midst of like his, his like drama, and I tweeted out a picture. He was his Instagram story, so he was there, and I tweeted out a picture of him like from his Instagram story, and like people were, it, it was a, a day of chaos, and then he you just know, like was on his way, and like I was like, oh my God, thank God. You never went full villain with that, because if you had the, if you had the evilness in you, you could have forged some like you know how you can write a caption on yeah. your instagram story you should have forged a caption that was like big news in the works or something with like the well, signing emoji <laughs> i wasn't the only one that tweeted it some reason i just like pick up steam the the first um okay you talked about kai kamara what do you just he's staying he's going I, earlier in the year i said i think i could i would love to see him stay on a small contract um after seeing him play dude i don't i don't want him around i don't want him around I, I appreciate Kai Kamara. I, again, he is a legend who deserves to be respected. I think the brand of soccer that he would flourish in the best is not the soccer we play anymore, which is you know, th those long crosses from Metnir and Gasper. Mm -hmm. And I think if that was what we were playing, he would be putting in three, four goals um, off the bench for us you know, next year. But I don't think we're doing that anymore. I think we need... Um, Good runners, good open space forwards. I think we need speed. I think we need youth. Mm -hmm. um, or if it's a veteran guy, I think they need to be much better at 
you know, timing those runs because Kai mm-hmm. did not seem to really get on the same page as Reynoso. No, which again, maybe that's just, you know, a, a product of the situation. But again, just seeing the way that he kind of trotted around at the end of the match, um, that, that put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, Ozzy Alonzo. Okay. I think part of it's up just up to him, right? Like, what does he want to do? Um, His contract's up this year. I actually don't even know, but it just seems like he's, I feel like that we're not sure what he's going to do. I would say if if it's possible and if he agrees to it, I would love him back for one more year. I think he is still a player who leads this team. I think he's still a player who can either come off the bench. Think about think about having a 2-0 lead and then Ozzy Alonso comes off the bench in the 75th minute. And sure, does he run a full 90 minutes no probably not anymore ever but like those last 25 minutes he's gonna kill you yeah. i mean i think that's probably the ideal for both parties so so he comes back but him, in in a limited fashion just in in kind of a transitioning changing of the guard sure. and again it's not nobody's doubting you ozzy please don't show up at my house you can definitely <laughs> beat me in a fight i am terrified of you mm. and i love you but it's just age. You can't you can't avoid it. Eventually it comes for everybody and he has played very well and I think if we want to maximize his abilities, it's going to start coming in in a transition out phase. So yes, I would love to bring him back one more year. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really up to him and if he wants to if he wants to play again, I think you absolutely bring him back. Um, and you just kind of, I think that you, but yeah, you have to have a, a backup plan whether that's bull trap or whatever, but um, you're not just like trying to roll with Ozzy all year. Um, Ethan Finley. Ethan Finley fits in a similar category as a player who I'm sure you will list next, which is mm-hmm. Kevin Molino. But I'm not going to talk to Kevin Dude, yet. Spoiler alert. Oh. All right. Sorry, everybody. Um, Ethan Finley is somebody I would like to have back. Again, this is the tipping point in this team where there are players who are going to need to start being phased out. Ethan Finley still has some good pace. He still has the majority of the game in him, but I think we need somebody waiting in the wings. So Ethan Finley, you re-sign him, but he gives everything he's got for the first 60 and then we sub him off. And again, that also depends on Heath making good sub decisions, which I can't promise one way or the other. Yeah. But to answer your question, I I want Ethan Finley one more year at least. I think he is a good motivator. I think he's a good leader. I think he's an example setter. Um, I don't think he should be our, look at us, this is our premier right winger player. And so we need to have an option for that. But, But Ethan Finley is important to what this team is. Yeah, Ethan Finley for me actually falls into the camp of um, I just don't, and, and I don't think anyone can. So, you know, when we're talking about the stuff, right, it's obviously just like speculation and kind of going off. We don't know what the market's like for someone like that. If there's a team that like they could, I think the lot, I think a lot of teams could really use him. Uh, but if there's a team that's willing to pay a good amount for him, um, I wouldn't be, you know, you know, maybe you take that. I think that I would love to see him back. I think he's a great locker room guy. Um, he's got, you know, he's still got good pace. Um, you know, he's he's still kind of your blue collar, going to go out there and 
and run his tail off, even if it's not always, you know, in the, you know, showing up on the score sheet, he's, he's doing a lot of work for you. Um, and I think especially for what, what you're probably paying him, um, you know, your, your return on investment is really good with him. Uh, but then again, if someone comes along, you know, someone, you know, some flashy team that needs kind of a hardworking guy or a, 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 ret- a veteran guy to come in and kind of help these younger players, maybe you do, maybe you jump at that and you kind of let him, you know, you, you thank him for everything he's done. Um, and I think he'll go down as, as, a, as a Minnesota classic. Um, but maybe you do take that. No, I don't know. That's where I, that's where I think like I don't know enough about like the market for that type of thing to really say um, with any confidence. But shout out to Charlotte FC if they want to sign him for a uh, million dollars, he's available. Why them? Aren't they coming in next year? Or is it twenty twenty two? I thought Austin was next. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I just remember Charlotte because of their initials, but. Uh, yeah, well, we'll call up Matthew McConaughey and see if uh, see if he wants a you know a, a good strong winger there. Um, on the right, on the right, on the right. <laughs> you teed that up way too easily for me. You can't do that. Oh, you know I've been goodness. drinking, Alex. You this can't do that. This will never recover from that line. All right. Hey, um, if you guys come back after the off season, <laughs> we appreciate it. We we understand if you don't, but we appreciate it. Kevin Molino. 100% sign hot boy. Yeah. Sign I think him. That, I think that that's one that's pretty obvious. I don't even think we The thing is, Kevin Molino, less about age because he's still got the pace, but injury is the concern. And so if we're re-signing Kevin, which I, I want us to, if we don't re-sign Kevin, I think that's very foolish. Um, Again, the money has to make sense. So, if, And I'm not accusing Kevin or his agent of, of up pricing or anything like that. But if Kevin Molino comes in and says, I need $3 million every year, the money doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, If he can get that somewhere else, I respect that. you got to get your money. If Kevin Molino comes in and wants a massive contract and another club will give it to him, I totally support that. you got to take care of yourself. you got to take care of your future and your family's future. He's got the cutest kids, you know. Yeah. You got to support the kids. I get that. I don't see him leave. I mean, he's he's Molino's like he's Heat's boy. Like they've been together. I don't see him like all of a sudden at what thirty one. He's just gonna like go somewhere else and try and like keep going. I feel like he just stays here, and everyone loves him. I almost wonder if he's gonna thrive in these like not maybe not thrive, but kind of reinvent himself in these later years, or maybe he's not the guy and he can just come on for you know, stints of a match instead of trying to go a whole season. I wonder if that'll almost do him good. I see in my, so extra time mentioned, they actually had a very uh, fair and I would say nice section about Minnesota United. It's worth it. It's not bad this time for once. It's like they actually watched the whole game for once. Mm. Crazy. Low bar. Um, but, But they were talking about Kevin Molino and one of the things they were saying is, he scored a bunch of goals and that will inevitably attract attention from other teams, like especially MLS teams who want a nice easy transfer. If I'm Kevin Molino, and this is even taking my loons glasses off, unless you're getting a massive pay increase, which I don't think people would give to a 31 year old Mm -mm. player who has an injury history, but unless you're getting a massive pay increase, you're now moving from the catalyst that gave you your best season in years, which is Emmanuel Reynoso. If I'm somebody who wants to make money and ball out, I'm going to stay with Emmanuel Reynoso. You already see the start of a beautiful friendship. 
with with Ray and, and Emmanuel. Think about if they're together all year, and you don't even have to have Kevin Molino in a starting role. You can use him like Philly used Ilsenio, and you pull him on in the 30th minute, and he balls out for 30 minutes and scores a goal. You know, I can absolutely see Kevin Molino also transitioning. And I think that's kind of the name of the game this year is we are in a transition process, but I believe if we're structuring this team around Ray, we are gonna we're gonna have a fun time. Yeah, making a switch at the end of your career is always so like so hit or miss and always so risky. I mean, obviously, you know, Ico Parra and Ozzy Alonso made it work. Um, you know, they had a, a good year or two with with a new team and and did a lot of good things. Um, but then you look at the flip side of that. Um, and there's the thing where like you go to a new team and it just sucks and you're not yourself and you're trying to like I think you're working harder than you would have if you just stay with your team. Like he can just stay here. He knows the system. He knows the players. People know him. He doesn't have to prove anything. He can be whatever he wants to be and he's everyone's got his back. Versus like going to what? Like Inter Miami and like trying to like work with God knows who and like I, just, I, 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 I don't think, think I would so. just I just can't I can't picture trying to do that, but people do. I mean, you know, we see it. Um, okay. I also think he will not he won't find a coach who believes in him as much as Heath believes in him. Sure, yeah, right. they I, may like they may like him now, but as soon as he starts like maybe not performing the way he's doing now, how quickly do they you know cut him loose versus Heath, who's his rat or die? Absolutely. All right, it's. We're going to wrap this up. We've been going, we're at 88 minutes now, which we usually edit it down. For those of you who don't know, we usually edit out almost a half hour of just nonsense. Um, and we're going to have to save these outtakes one of these days. <laughs> I'm going to make a super cuts of you asking yourself rhetorical questions. Season two, at the end of it, I'm just going to, I'm going to release a whole episode that's just you asking yourself, is it a good choice? I don't know. Do I agree with it? Yes, I do. That's going to be season two. At the end of that, we're going to have a, all the ones of you doing that. But I want to ask you two questions. First, I want to ask you to rank your top three priorities in the offseason. And then I want to ask you your feelings on the on the final. So we talked about these specific players, but top three priorities in the offseason um, in terms of position acquisition. So Alex, that's a great question. I would say placing the nine position is my first choice. I think Luis Amaria would be a great choice to bring back. I also think you need to have real competition that's not just back from retirement, Foster Langsdorf, the, the detective cop from Chicago. Um, that's a throwback to one of our earlier references. So you got to go listen back to all the pods. Secondly, would be a, a defensively aggressive number six. I know there is talks that we may sign Will Trap, and it's maybe possible, maybe not. Whether or not we sign him, I think he brings a different skill set to the field. I still want to see a physically imposing, aggressive number six. That number six. That's kind of that uh, Diego Chara, that Ozzy Alonso type of player. Um, and last well, but not, well, that should be easy to find. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. The two best <laughs> defensive midfielders in, in Major League Soccer. But but you know what I'm saying, that type of, yeah, not that sure. level of quality, but I'm saying, you know, that kind of get in your face. Um, last but not least, um, I'm looking towards our center backs. I do feel a bit nervous about the age of all of our center backs. They're good center backs, but our youngest, I believe, is Jose Aja, who's 27, I think. 
Is he 27? I don't know. Grant, look it up. But it's not super promising when he's the youngest one. You've got Ike Opara, who's in his 30s. You've got Michael Boxall, who's in his 30s. Brent Coleman is nothing to me. So we'll see what we do, but that would probably be my next choice. Or right back, because I don't see Hassani Dodson as our future right back. So we may need a future replacement for Metonier if you don't believe it's Noah Billingsley. Mm-hmm. So in my roundabout mm-hmm. way, Alex, I've answered your questions. What are your top three positions to address in the offseason? I think, yeah, I think nine is the only one I'm really clear on. Um, and I hope we bring back Amaria. Um, I, and I think that I think everyone hopes we really bring back Amaria except for his old team. I think they're the only question mark. I think Amaria wants to be here. Um, I think Heath wants Amaria here. All the fans want him here. I mean, we saw that Reynoso and Molina do the celebration. So it's just like the one, like, it's like when you have to go ask your friend's mom if he can stay over. Like, all of us obviously want it, but we have to, like, go ask the mom if, if, if he can stay. Imagine um, being Amaria and watching the service that yeah. everyone else has been getting all year. As a striker, you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. please. Um, from there, um, again, it kind of goes back to where we were at with not having friendlies and open cut matches. Um, cause I don't know where we're at with the six. I feel like we have a few people who have played there cause Ozzy was hurt a bunch. Um, and then we also picked up the, the Reno guys, um, and, and Partita, um, I don't think he's going to be a starting MLS, you know, number six coming from there, but, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he's got, he a got some I, USL so accolades. Yeah. So I think we, we, we obviously need a, a solution for a six. Um, I don't know that going out and buying one is necessarily the top of my list. Um, but figuring that out is definitely the top. It was probably my number two. Um, and then for three, yeah, I'm with you on, um, either center backs or right backs. Um, I'm inclined to say right backs because again, I think we've got some young guys who we didn't get a chance to see who could, who could be there. Um, in Billingsley, uh, Musa is, you know, not quite as young, but he's still in there. Um, I think that we have some options. Um, Left left wing is also someone something I was thinking about. Um, you know, Molino basically, uh, but Sam Gleedle is you know again a guy we picked up. We didn't get to see what he was about. Um, next year we're gonna have that MLS development league or reserve league, whatever it was. I, I forget the name, but it sounds like we're gonna have that, um, which will give us an opportunity to interchange players a lot more quickly. Um, so I think that that's where I'm at. Do you know if those games will be like? streamed or anything i know they wouldn't be i don't even on, think like, it's i don't even think it's official that it's happening yet um there was just an article about it in the athletic that people think it's happening and then we've also seen those teams pull out of the usl um it's kind of it's kind of like the Reynoso signing like everyone's talking about it but it's not really finalized yet fair yeah right. i i would love to see sam gleedle you know if it's the development league or whatever I, i'm very interested in what he brings to the table speaking of which uh Maybe around like the holidays, we'll do like a, a parents episode, and we'll get. There's a bunch of these players' parents who follow our our social media, and we don't know if they listen or if they just follow the social media. Uh, but if you're listening, we'd love to have you on, and you can share stories of uh, the holidays. Um, you know, their their quinceanera, their uh, you know whatever it may be. We'll, we'll have you on. And we'll share those stories. Yeah, any embarrassing stories, fun stories, whatever you want to do, you get the microphone. We will not cut you off. This is your platform.
It is 10.47 because we, we waited for the U.S. men's national team game to happen, and that was a blowout. Uh, but we did see Ayo Akinola. Shout out. Shout out to Ayo. <laughs> come, to, come to the U.S. men's national team, dude. Don't go to Canada. I promise you we'll make it work. Um, so it's it's almost 11. We've we've drank too much of this whiskey. We, we've got to have one more question, though. Uh, how are you feeling about the final? First off, are you going to watch it? And second off, how do you see it going? Um, I hate Seattle. But if they lose, I will hate them more. They owe it to us. They owe it to us to win, to absolutely destroy Columbus. Because I am somebody who, if somebody beats me, I don't want to get beat by the loser. I want to get beat by the winner. So I think like there's two different trains of thoughts on that. Like some people want the person to beat them to lose because they just want to like spite them. And some people want that person to go on and win. So then it's like, well, we kind of took second though, didn't we? Yeah, not that I don't even think it's not, you know, I would love to see Seattle just pound Columbus and then to watch the extra time guys talk themselves into circles about how the East is so much better than the West, except Minnesota had a close game with Seattle and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I want to see Seattle win. I don't like Seattle. I don't want to cheer for them, but I'm going to because I I am petty and bitter and I will not, I will not be the losers to the losers. I will be the Mm -hmm. losers to the winners. So are you going to watch though? Uh, I'll check on it, you know. Yeah. I think, I think by the time Saturday rolls around, I will be ready to watch. Um, I will say if it was like tonight, I would have had a really hard time with it. But by the time Saturday comes around. I think if they around, mention the Minnesota game, I'll turn it off. Oh, they I, definitely I, will. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to watch. Um, I'm rooting for Seattle. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of in the camp of like, I want the people to beat us to win. Um, and also at the end of the day, I always want the West to win. You know, I'm kind of like my like layer of who I'm rooting for. At the end of the day, like you want your division to win. Um I think that they will too. I think that, you know, again, like we talked about last episode of how, or I think it was a live episode of how Columbus tries to do a thing where they just like sit back and attack when they get the chance. I don't think Seattle is going to let them do that. I think they're going to pick them apart. And um, I hope it is a stopping because I think that the West had better. um, I, I think like the top four in the West this year was better than the top four in the East. If you, if you're going on like, kind of the average of each division. I don't know, but um, I definitely think that we had, we had the stronger side in Seattle, us, Portland, and Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> so I think that I think that the, that um, Seattle will win handily, um, which sucks because that means they're back-to-back winners um, and all of that. But at the same time, um, I don't want to see Columbus win, and I, I don't want to see the East win. So um, I'll be watching... And I'll be expecting Seattle to win, and I'll be happier if they win than if they lose. Um, but kind of, it's kind of win-win because if they lose, then Seattle still lost, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, can I can I uh, leave us with a tiny bit of positivity here, or just just a nice framing of of things? I wouldn't have it any other way. Appreciate that, Alex. Thank you. So, if you want to put this year into perspective a little bit, and I'm not going to save this necessarily for the wrap up because this isn't a real wrap up, but Let me just tell you that if you could go back in time and say the Minnesota United Football Club 
will do better than the Portland Timbers, the Colorado Rapids, the San Jose Earthquakes, Sporting Kansas City, LAFC, Red Bull New York, Toronto FC, NYCFC Orlando, the Union, Atlanta United, DC United. I'm, I'm trying to name the bigger teams than the smaller teams necessarily, but you get my point. We did better than all of them in this playoff tournament and a lot of them in the overall standings for the Supporter Shield. If you feel like this year has been a failure, as an expansion team, I think you have to have a little perspective. It's been a good year. We did things that teams with much more favorable locations and much bigger budgets couldn't do, and that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. There's only one team that that finishes the year on a win, um, and we were close. We were real, real close. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. Um, like, like I said, during the off season, we're gonna do a couple different episodes, um, kind of just talking about bigger, <clears throat> bigger picture stuff. Um, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna do some uh, another a more in depth kind of year wrap episode um, and do some awards. So if you have some awards you have in mind you'd like us to uh, review and give out, either Minnesota specific or MLS, um, hit us up. Uh, and let us know what you want those to be. Until then, it's been a good year. Take a deep breath. Minnesota United finished basically fourth, right? I mean, fourth in the league. Um, and even that was just by a hair. So rest on that, and um, it's going to be a good off season. We're going to do a few episodes, and next year is our year. Next year is our year. Next year is our year. I say that confidently. I say that confidently, too. As always, go loons. Go loons.